guys. You keep telling me you're going to be the greatest band in the world, but you stink. Yeah. We don't understand it either. I mean, I mean you, you can't sing. I mean, the girls, they can play, but you guys? Girls mature faster than guys. Plus, they started in the 15th century. What do you mean? Well, they're from medieval England. Ted, shut up. Uh, medieval England, Iowa. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Rock Hard Caucus. This is episode, I believe, 31. I think we're on 31 now. Uh, Sorry if I got that wrong. I didn't have the list pulled up before I started talking. Uh, This is a show about politics and culture and current events in the state of Iowa. It's, in fact, the only podcast that has ever or will ever be produced in the state of Iowa. Uh, there's, There's only about 25 or so people who live here, so we just got the one. Uh, my name is Justin Comer. I usually have uh, some co-hosts with me, but uh, I'm doing doing this one. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing somebody, but I'm the only regular host who is currently present. So you'll you may miss uh, some of your your old friends today. Uh, the reason uh, that I have decided to do a one-on-one thing, well. It's been a while since we recorded a regular episode. Uh, There's been a lot going on, if you haven't noticed. Uh, There's civil unrest uh, all across the nation. And uh, all of us have been involved to some degree or another in helping out the the protesters. Uh, I was hoping that we would have a conversation about that uh, over the weekend, but we weren't able to make the scheduling work out. So... I've arranged something that I think will be probably even more interesting. I think now is the time for us to to get like a real Iowan black perspective on the situation. So I've I've brought in a good friend of mine. I've got Deroja Guamna on the line now. There. Deroja, how you doing? I'm doing all right, my friend. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. I've been a little tired, but I I feel pretty invigorated by the current actions. <laughs> I thought I saw you even more lit with Bernie, man. I, I feel like right now you're just like, because I'll get out and I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm really, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm all in. Do this. Like, I remember I posted something about like black or what have you, or, you know, this like after the whole George Floyd thing or what have you. I think you said, let's rock. And I don't think <laughs> yeah. you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said. It was like, you know, the shortest sentence in the Bible, Jesus wept, Comer, <laughs> let's rock. Like, yep, it's perfect. I, I like all of it. So uh, for listeners who are not acquainted with Derosia, uh, Derosia and I have known each other for, uh, I believe, just about 12 years now. Uh, we met in college. We were both studying. 12 years. Yeah. We were both studying music composition at Co College in Cedar Rapids. So uh, that that was not a very big department. So so we had to we had to be friends with all of each other. You know, you yeah we did. It was like we were like the only like you, me, John Mills. I think that might have been it. <laughs> we were the department. <laughs> yeah, my freshman year, I'm pretty sure I was the only uh, freshman composer at the time. Yeah, I think. I last talked to Car- top Dr. Carson. I think it's probably been around the same <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of numbers. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask you a question, I guess, like regarding your experience with composition and whatnot, like you feel kind of like fulfilled with like physical journey after, especially after coming from co and being able to like do the stuff that you're doing. Do you feel like you're getting a lot out of it? You know, just in general. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with who I am. I wish that our society was structured in a way that was more encouraging to people who want mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, creatively express themselves and and make make their creativity like their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I feel like I, I'm pretty lucky that I get to, like most of what I spend my time doing, I feel is fulfilling creatively at this point. It took a while to get here, but yeah. How do you, I just like, I guess it's more like a question slash comment on that, which I've always admired that about you, Justin, that you're, I feel like you're, you know, your compositional you know process is like, to do anything with any sound i mean and like just feel like you're able to make the most out of little stuff like with me it's like i try and go too big you know and like it sounds all neat and stuff like that or whatever but it's like i feel like you're able to like make a lot of mileage out of you know like your your music and stuff i feel like in general and connections and stuff so i've always admired that about you you know i also learned about that you know but how you know about that resourcefulness you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. That's yeah. all I gotta say. Well, I I appreciate the compliment. Uh, yeah, I I do see that the between the two of us, how I I tend to focus very small, and what I get from your music is a little bit more uh, bombastic. I guess is the word. Like you, absolutely, you tend to, <laughs> tend to be a little more epic. <laughs> so like, kind of like the way I talk. It's like my wife and everybody that knows me. It's like Jerosa, you are too loud. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's like not to say that you're not to say that you're quiet. But I feel like you're very you're very dynamic in your in your own way though too. You know what I mean? Sure. Which is you're absolutely right. It's like two different ways of like indicating, but it's like I like to think that I have like some sort and I I'm somewhat effective. I feel like I like about your style of music. It's like you're able to be effective, saying just enough. Mm. Talk, like when I'm talking to you in general. You say enough, you know, stuff kind of, you know, very, very brief and whatnot, but like it packs a punch. You're, you know, like let's rock. <laughs> <laughs> right. Back to that. You know what I mean? Whereas with me, I like to meander. <laughs> sure. But yeah. like, I, I love meandering, but sometimes I have to kind of get to the, get to the end, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like reflected in our personalities as well. Like I'm, I'm a lot more reserved than you. You are like one of the most outgoing, friendliest people I know. Oh, well, thank you. That certainly has its benefits as well. Thank you. If you're around me with this cat that we got, you probably think I'm a monster. Like, oh, man. So we... I'm so excited <laughs> to meet your new cats. <laughs> oh, dude, this thing is such... Okay, his name is Osito. Osito is um, is Hispanic for um, a bear. And he is kind of like a little foraging bear. Just likes to just... I'm like, oh, what are these crumbs? <laughs> you know, just like... <laughs> He's all over the place, though. It's like, I was kind of mad, though. I was going to play my Switch last night, and I had, like, my earphones ready to go. Osito, like, chewed that thing in half. <laughs> oh, like, wow. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's like a one-pound little just, like, dynamo, man. He just, like, come to death, but I, don't know, I just need to learn to be more patient, I guess. He's a, he is a kitten. He's like a one-month-old kitten, so. Right, yeah, they can <laughs> you be You know, I gotta be better. For real. And then Cricket is more, he's more reserved. He's very quirky. We got it from a friend from Marion. Actually, he was inbred, but, you know, mm. yeah, we'll, we still took him. Yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we, we can't wait for you to meet him. <laughs> yeah. We can't dude, wait I, for you to meet him. I love your dogs, and I'm not, like, not that much of a dog guy, so I'm really excited to see how cats end up in your house. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's fair to say, because, like, honestly, at, at a good point of time, I'd say, like, 45% of the time, all the animals are sleeping. 
Mm-hmm. I think that I think the cats have learned that we don't really do much in that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Except for the times that they like to, you know, forage for crumbs or whatnot and chew out cables. For the most part, they're pretty. You know, I, I'm I'm starting to enjoy it little by little. <laughs> yeah, good, good. So, uh, listeners, if you if you enjoyed uh, our our brief discussion about music, uh, there's a lot more of Derosia and I talking about music and sort of lighter subject matter. Uh, over on my other show, I Hear I See Radio, which is currently on kind of a forced hiatus. Uh, but we've got, like, we've talked quite a bit on that show, Derosia and I. So you'll find a lot more of that material over there. It's pretty easy to find if you search I Hear I See Radio and Derosia's name, which is D-U-R-O-J-E. On today's show, we're going to, we might get a little more serious. There's there's serious stuff going on, and uh, this directly impacts Droja as a black man in Iowa, so I want to get his thoughts. Uh, so let's maybe uh, let's just go back like earlier in your life. Um, I know you used to live in uh, Ohio when you were really young. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, I lived in Ohio. We yeah, just kind of give us a brief kind of thing, like yeah. just a little bit about my life. Yeah, it's perfect. So my parents are from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. They came to the United States 1985. Uh, they were both looking to fulfill their. Uh, Masters and doctorate degrees, respectively. My dad went to enrolled in uh, Northern Illinois University in DeKalb, Illinois. That's where I was born, 1988. Okay. So um, lived there for about a year and a half, and then we moved to Athens, Ohio. And then my brothers were born there, Patrick and Yahya. So my that's where my mom and dad both got their doctorate degrees. And then we moved to Fairborn, Ohio, eight years, and then moved to Mount Pleasant when I was 13. So that's just kind of okay. like the like kind of like my life in the you know united states and my parents like in a nutshell right you know mm-hmm. how it was conceived and whatnot but yeah uh so uh, of those places you named i don't know that much about uh the earlier ones but mount pleasant i believe is the smallest of those correct towns. yeah and also the, yes. the whitest i assume very much whitest yeah. <laughs> funny that you bring up mount pleasant so like first time and i'll say it the first time i was called nigger i was 13 years old Okay. That was actually literally first week that we moved to Mount Pleasant. Yeah. So like, check it. So I was 13 and all three of my brothers went to the swimming pool. As much as people know about his, you know, black people's history in the swimming pool, it's usually not, it's like, think of it as like Mentos and Diet Coke. It's usually not good. You know what I mean? It's pretty <laughs> And a little bit about that. And then this is something that I've learned as I've grown up and I'll come back to this story. There's this whole stupid like stereotype about how blacks can't swim. Yeah. The reason why, and most folks probably already know this, but just to reiterate, the reason why that's a thing is because of segregated swimming pools. Yeah. There was actually, I think it might be on some college tech textbooks, definitely not in high school, let alone middle school, about like an owner of a swimming pool pouring acid. Yeah. Acid or some some corrosive whatever, and like while blacks were swimming to get mm-hmm. them out of the so swimming pool is definitely invokes a lot of anxiety for folks for good reason. Yeah, yeah. Alone for folks with black folks to get the capacity to swim. That's where that comes from. And I'll come back to the Mount Pleasant story about being called the N word. Like mm-hmm. we're in Fairborn, we when I was seven, eight years old, we all took swimming lessons. Like, we 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 went through that whole thing. You know, like my parents came from the whole. They came from the background of like wanted us to succeed. They wanted they the focus was on education. So, like, when it came to, like, my my growing up in a Nigerian household, 
versus, you know, an African-American household, there's some, there's some similarities, but there's a lot of differences. Um, just because, you know, like my parents were coming from, from a different country, from the United States, there's a diaspora. I mean, yeah. like, we felt like, okay, so we got my mom and dad's way of living that markedly different than us trying to assimilate in American culture. Ongoing thing. I mean, we learned a lot of things about Nigerian culture. There's a lot of things about American culture that we absorb from school. Right. For the most part, you know, like we're able to find that balance pretty well. You know, moving to Mount Pleasant. So, like, go, so sorry, going straight to the, going back to the swimming pool part. After we dried off and waited for our parents to come by, dude in like I think a Ford F-150 purple truck just zooms by, shouts the N-word, and just drives off. Honestly, dude, it was scary as hell. Of course, as you can imagine, like right. we were just waiting for our parents to be, and it was just all, it was me and my brothers. I mean, and like I heard him say, "It's a bunch of white boys, a black boys," and then just drove off again. You know, I'm like that could have gone much worse. <laughs> Luckily, we we're like what 200 feet away from him. Right. When things like that, real stuff that that happens in your head, you're like, okay, like brain just goes into like this fight or flight kind of thing. Of course, I was 13, like a buck 80 for soaking wet. I was going to fight like some old white, even some older white dudes. There's no, even if my brother's there, you know, like there's no way. Right. So like we were petrified. Right. And I don't think to this day, like we've talked about it. Really? Dude, like probably once or twice, because like collectively we probably realized, wait a minute, deep down. Yeah. We were called nigger, weren't we? Right. Honestly, probably like one of two times in my life that, I've seen, I've heard that word directly. The funny thing is, well, not funny, but the reality of it, though, somebody doesn't have to call me a nigger to be racist. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> fact, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which, here we are. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like racists take note. You don't have to say the N-word to, like, get your point across. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can, you know, the things that you do and say can carry probably more weight, you know? So, like, yeah, man, like, after we were called that, it's like, we haven't, I don't know if we compartmentalized it, like, as a whole just like lived our lives it's the thing though looking back in my time at mount pleasant like the name implies that it's a town of nice people yeah but like justin if you were to go there you know just like you know meet some people they shake your hand or whatever you know nice to meet you blah 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 want to borrow some sugar here you go that's great i mean and like we for the most part got that treatment that's good yeah looking back there were definitely some microaggressions that it wasn't like savvy enough or whatever you want to call it to detect I was just focused, like, listen, like, coming to Mount Pleasant, I was 13, I had no friends from from Ohio, like, mm-hmm. I went to, like, to, like, the most stuck-up Catholic school ever, you know, like, necessarily, you know, make fun of me for being black, but I got made fun of for being nerdy and smelling bad. Mm. You can imagine, like, a bunch of white kids, like, oh, I don't see color, but I can definitely smell you, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, that, yeah. was, that was, like, the impression I got from them. The funny thing is, it's, like, necessarily, like, experience, like, what people think of as racism being called the n-word something tangible or what have you mm-hmm. I definitely felt something that i didn't like which was like you know being ostracized for something different but like in the mount pleasant i definitely started to feel more racial microaggressions in different ways now like more obviously the n-word thing you know like yeah. this is what like i said this is this first second week that we moved to mount pleasant this happened as new kids new black kids coming to the small town Dude, I was afraid, like, before even moving to Mount Pleasant, we're going to experience this. Hell, I thought that coming to Mount Pleasant, I thought that our house was going to have, like, a damn, like, tire swing in the back, right? <laughs> we're going to be in some odd, small-ass town, which 80% of my suspicions were true. But, like, 
Don't worry. They had a Dairy Queen. They had like a Dollar General. They had like they had the creature comforts and stuff. But you know, it was it's a small ass. It's a small town. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Middle school and high school. Like, don't get me wrong. I knew a lot of friends. I you know I I knew a lot of you know like my time in high school. Like, I look back, I'm like, yeah, like people like me. You know, but once again, it's like in Mount Pleasant, you know, or many small towns in America perceive like, you know, they'll perceive you for whatever you put out. Right. But deep down, they're going to have, they're going to definitely going to have their um, stereotypes about you, about Mm -hmm. what you put out there. Right. Like a big one, for instance, for me, like remember one time when like, it was my senior year in in high school, like this big dance off competition. Like it was seven, the seven seniors or whatever that like, people from high school knew I was one of them or whatever, you know, that's great. I remember at the end of this whole like dancing thing, I won the competition because I was dancing to, okay. I was in, dancing to the Shania train track. Uh, I feel like a woman. Right. Okay. So like, <laughs> so here's some background. Each of us had a bag of clothes that we had to wear. I picked the one with the wig because I knew that I was going to get a big reaction. Mm-hmm. It was a wig. It was like a neat little dress, a bra, all the cheerleaders were helping helping everybody put on their costumes. So I slay, right? I feel like a woman. <laughs> I wanted by like two decibels. Friend Tyler Moeller, he actually he was in a giant bag. And like he was dancing to like I forgot what it was like some song. It was like some hip dance track from 2005. I think it had Big John in it or whatever. He got second place. I get my ten dollars I get my ten dollars for winning first place. Everybody was going nuts or whatever because I was just flailing around being very really ridiculous and like buddy tyler tells me something really interesting so remember his name is bobby jensen he was he was a high school ball coach and like he has had quite the story to tenure in mount pleasant you know mm-hmm. he was a legend he's a legend in most people's most people's eyes but unfortunately kind of had a little bit of a steve king kind of thing going on there <laughs> which which is you know what the funny thing is people knew about it yeah Bobby J comes up to Tyler, tells me all this stuff, by the way. Tyler's my friend that, you know, was at my wedding and whatnot. Oh, like Tyler was the one that got second place. Bobby comes up to Tyler and says, hey, man, you did a good job. Nice, nice job out there or whatever. I was like, oh, thanks. I remember what Bobby J told him that that still sticks with me. He literally says this. When it comes to entertainment, you just can't beat the black man. (laughs) Uh. Dude. So like, right, right. And Tyler told me this as soon as this whole thing got done and I went to first period. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, like, no, he's right. <laughs> we, <laughs> like, people steal our dance moves and all that kind of stuff. People steal our lingo. It's kind of like how white people, myself included, a black person, love Chinese food. We love the MSG. We love the crunchy, uh, we love the crunchy, you know, chow mein or what have you. But then again, like you, you can't be wearing no mask. Like you know what I mean. Like we, we like what you're able to put out there. But it comes, you know, it's like kind of like you're juicing an orange. You get the juice out of the orange, and you just throw away the rest of it. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. that's yeah, like, yeah. we're gonna sap away. This is kind of my cynical side. We're gonna sap away these traits about your culture or whatever that like you made popular to hell with you as a person. Right. Kind of how that felt. That's how you felt about it at the time, like. So you you understood that there was like huh? like a positive quote uh, stereotype about black people that that guys like that had, and that they that was separate from your worth as a human being. <laughs> Funny as you say that, yeah, dude. Like you know how we were. I was called nigger when I was eighth grade. I'll mm-hmm. just say it. Mm-hmm. Like my brain was like, oh my god. So we're just gonna 
granted, this is before I took anxiety meds. So, right. So like, <laughs> I was like full tilt, right. Like just panic attack for like a minute or whatever. And then my mom picked this up. I didn't quite get a panic attack when my boy Tyler told me this, but boy, was I depressed. Okay. Yeah. Like, here's the deal. It's like, they told me, it's like, okay, listen, I got $10 in my pocket. I could buy a couple ice cream sundaes from, you know, from, for lunch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> listen, like $10 for a high school kid. That's like my paycheck now. You know what I mean? So like that, <laughs> yeah. that would work money. So like, listen, I still had the high from winning people cheering my name or whatever you want to call it. The impact of what he said really hold held really strong because like, is that really what people thought of me? Is that why people were cheering? Mm. As like, I was making an absolute ass of myself, right? I can't dance. I tried it for show choir three times, failed every time, right? Like, listen, like, you know what I mean? I was making, I was making an ASS, man, like in front of like six, 700 people. And like, Grace's ass, like, you know, ball coach was able to reduce feelings and those experiences into one sentence. Right. Like, looking back, I'm like, damn, hope that that's not what they see me as. You know what I mean? Like, they don't see me as like, you know, the hot Chinese food or whatever, you know, to like, Oh, they're able to reduce everything that I put out there in one sentence to hold the rest. You know what I mean? So like, I remember telling somebody else this too, that same, it was like the second, it was like third period. I was telling people about the story, right? Well, mm-hmm. about what happened. A couple of people were like, oh, he probably didn't mean it. I mean, so that's literally what people had said. Oh, he didn't mean it. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, when you go to a friend's house, you see a barking dog. Oh, he's not going to bite you. I mean, well, how do you know? I mean, like, like even though you know your dog, this is the first time this dog is seeing me. Like, how do you know how I was going to react? You know what I mean? Like, that's one of those things that I had to compartmentalize for my sake. But, like, I have no problem talking about it now because, like, things like that do carry weight. You know what I mean? Especially, like, to a small school and whatnot, like, eyes are on you, how you look or whatever. I'll, I'll be honest, man. In high school, I used to tell a lot of racist jokes. I used to tell a lot of stupid jokes like that because I knew that the white kids were going to eat it up. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Looking back, it's like, wait a minute. So all that, you know, stupid BS that I was giving it to him, like, is that why I'm still friends with them on Facebook? Like, because mm. D-Bomb, the dude that, like, was, like, basically the entertainer, like, felt like a lot of those things, like, a lot of those experiences that I've had, like, a lot of them good, but a lot of them, like, looking back, I'm like, dude, like, I'm just that delusional where, like, putting on a show for white folk i mean so like just to like be relevant because back in middle school and whatnot like it's not like i was weird don't get me wrong i was definitely had no confidence like you know a small like catholic school everything like you had we had to wear like uniforms you know what i mean obviously like you had to wear uniforms everything like you basically had to like fit the mold or else you're gonna stick out yeah like, even though i didn't experience yeah. like I don't want to even say I didn't experience racism. You know, I hate saying something like that. Like, even though I didn't experience outward blatant, like you are a nigger kind of racism. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. like how it, might, how it might feel someone that is marginalized, but ironically on something completely different. You know what I mean? Like, because I felt like just for a second, like this is kind of bringing me back to how I used to feel middle school and elementary school with those kids picking fun of me because I smelled bad. I was like, okay, no, you know, like I was like, and and band and whatnot and like people got to see me for like my merit for being a trombone player and being in choir and stuff like that to added like people of you know of race now that i'm an older you know taller bigger black person now carries more weight to most people's eyes now so it's like 
feel like in many ways it kind of had to shape up or else feel like I would, you know, and that thanks to my parents, you know, where like, focus on your grades, focus on going to school or whatever, being that model citizen or whatever mm-hmm. in people's eyes in a small town or else, you know, like you're, you're not going to be looked at kindly and God knows what's going to happen to you. That was what we had to contend with out like our lives, basically and from a Nigerian standpoint or what have you. Like looking back, I'm like, dang, that's a, that was, that was quite a bit. I just threw at you, man. I'm sorry. Oh no, that, that was, that's, I, that's what I have you here for. So what I'm hearing you saying is there was a really high standard for you. Mm. So just to live your life in this small white town, were you guys the only black family or were there like uh, others around you? Actually, to answer your question, we were not the only black family. Fact, there was actually there was a, quite a few black. Let's not want to say you took out the high. If you took out the college, right? Mm-hmm. Remove the college. Probably still looking at less than one percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were like probably families. There's probably like ten or so at our time in a high school. Twenty or so black folks. Okay, I'm like I can't speak for them, little or even my brothers. But I'm sure they had those exact same exact same will. You know, uh, drive to meet those standards of living in a small white town. Mm-hmm. Do whatever it took to like stand out, whatever in a good way, so that you're not acting too black or you're not. I mean, like you're fitting into these nice little confines. Of small, it's like you come into Mount Pleasant, you automatically feel like you have to like, you know, what I mean, you you automatically feel that pressure. Like not even just Mount Pleasant, but just like mm-hmm. any small town you go to. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh my god, like, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but like living in Oxford, for instance. Most part, I thought I was going to hate living here. And, and you know, I, like, the times I'm like, man, this is small. <laughs> Wait till we move one day. I love our house. I love our view. But, man, it's just like, looked at the demographics. There's 27 of us. <laughs> 27 <laughs> black people. Yeah. I've seen anybody else besides myself and my small cat. You know what I mean? So, it, I feel like I'm the only black person in this town. It, it, it feels that way. Because it's probably, you know what I mean? But, like, you, you feel like society is going to judge you regardless, but it's like, I feel like in a small town magnified. So at the same token, you're like, you know, you're, you're still going to get that veneer of people trying to be nice to you. you know, whether you take it at face value or not, it's that veneer that we just kind of suck that we just kind of, kind of hitched our, you know, hitched our tent to, because you know what? It gives us that safety net. You know what I mean? Oh, well, at least they're being nice to us. Right. Like as I get older and whatnot, it's like, yo, like, Deep down, y'all have some stuff to work on, but it's like kind of like my whole thing with like small towns and like the few black people there were because like we knew that it was incumbent on us deep down to like warm or what have you, you know what I mean? Just because you kind of had to. Oh, just think of it as a fight or flight kind of thing or what have you. It's like that's why I would never want to come back to Mount Pleasant to live there, just like because I don't know how my parents do it. I feel like my parents perform all the time, right? Up to death, but it's like granted have their friends in Mount Pleasant that know them for who they are. Like they got their buddies, but like I'll see them like one of country clubs or what have you, you know what I mean? At this point or whatever. But like, I feel like when they go to the grocery store or what have you, like they've been able to like sign up their small talk, you know, to be more than passable. Like are they able to utilize their small talk? Like, dude, it's exhausting. Yeah. They have to, they have to be like assimilating all the time to just like get through the day. Or it's going to be extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and your parents. Exactly. Right. So I've I've met your parents as we mentioned earlier. They've been here for in the states for almost like forty years, and it's still. I mean, it's clear. Exactly. It's clear that they're immigrants. You know, like they're not. 
they don't look like me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so no matter what they do, like they're still exactly. gonna, they're still going to be that otherization. Exactly. Well, that's the thing, man. It's like if you talk to my parents, my mom, I feel is more radical than my dad. Hmm. Like my dad, like he's part of like he's part of like this Catholic uh, group, Knights of Columbus, which, as far as I'm concerned, it's a cult. <laughs> you know what I mean? They glorify <laughs> yeah. they glorify Christopher Columbus for God's. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's that's all you really need to know. I'm sorry, Dad, if you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> but like the thing about it, it's like it's like a, a Catholic fraternity. Like he's a bunch of like you know good old boys, you know that are Catholic or what have you. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like he's definitely mastered assimilation, especially as communications, his communications background. You know, right. it's like he's able to do it so deftly. I don't know how the hell he does it. Oh, it's just like these old conservative white men, like. How do you break bread? You know what I mean? And live with yourself. Like, how do you do it? Supposedly, you know, it's all in God and Christ and stuff, but it's like, this damn, like, it's just, it, it just feels like cognitive dissonance. You know what I mean? Where you're with a group like that, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> I feel like I can't talk with them this kind of stuff without really talking about like what I'm doing at ACT or something, you know, kind of like going off of some completely right. different thing, what it's like. Don't get me wrong. Like deep down, I know my parents are like, they they're with it like they hate trump they're completely woke and they understand they can even tell you like yo like do what i can to get by like i do what i can to like make friends with these people but they do have like their nigerian living in iowa living god knows where that they communicate with on a daily basis so i guarantee you they probably feel the exact same thing they might not be part of like a catholic fraternity or what have you but they definitely have elements of assimilation that they can, you know, that they could talk about. I mean, it's implied, I'm sure, especially as Nigerian, you know, living part of the Nigerian diaspora, the things that you have to do or whatever. But like, I don't know, I call it survival, call it what you will or whatever, but definitely got that from them, you know? Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, it's born out of necessity. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, that was so much stuff, man. I mean, yeah, it's just like with my blackness and stuff, as I've gotten older, Let's. You want to talk about Co real quick? Sure. Yeah, that's where we met. It's where we met, right? Funny thing is, coming to Co, looking forward to graduating and all that kind of good stuff, going to college and living my life. Finally, I got to see. I got to see more black people, so that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, so more, like, more black people in Cedar Rapids than Mount Pleasant for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like looking back, it's like man, time at Co. It's like good parts about it, like. Definitely the friendships I made, like in the music department, uh, find me off, uh, that kind of stuff, but mostly the music department, you know, you guys, I mean, like for the, like it's, that's been like the benefit of it. Yeah. Looking back, there are definitely some things like, is Co really trying to like, to us or like, were they really trying to be inclusive? It's like a question that I felt myself asking a few times. Now, did it feel like these black people that I see in front of me were these like, felt really weird it's hard to explain like even like in a big school like iowa or whatever where there's like a decent amount of like representation mm-hmm. a small school it just felt even though there's a lot of black folks it still felt weird because like it definitely felt like it stuck out too there yeah, yeah. i mean especially it co at large i mean just like in general it's a very white school don't get me you know what i mean it, yeah, yeah. It, you know it's, it's a liberal white school but it's like the liberal white school i mean there's still going to be like microaggressions or whatever that I would have ex- would experience, not necessarily because they're being malicious per se. I definitely felt like it was. It's harder. It's really hard to put your finger on it. It's for instance, like 
think a couple times Co has done like a soul food thing or what have you. Okay. Done by white people. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, yo, what, what the hell? You know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I could definitely be like, I could definitely be spitballing here, but it's like, as it feels like it's fabricated, even though like they mean well. They want you to feel welcome, but they they don't really know how to do that effectively, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. And then that's that's exactly what it is. So it's like where I felt welcome was was, you know, within the music department for the most part. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those are my people. You know what I mean? Like that's my degree, whatever. So like unfortunately I can't speak for most black folk that went to school at Co. I can tell you that like most black folk that did go to a lot of black folk that did go to Co tell you something completely different and frankly much more harrowing yeah it really sucks because like they've you know they've experienced it more firsthand you know than i have you know and like in different ways like me i didn't really go out i didn't go to parties or nothing like that like i stayed in green hall or whatever sort of thing like stay with the fraternity stay with marquis whatever so yeah. like i didn't really have much of a bandwidth to explore co i know a lot of a lot of other poc you know that they speak for him but i could tell like it's it definitely varies I'm sure they made strides now like i like to think that like they're you know, they're learning about the things that they could do better or whatever and you know going with it you know man i mean that's kind of like my experience with co in a nutshell yeah um, i know that there's uh there's a, a facebook post going around right now um I, I don't remember the woman's name but there was a, a black woman that went to school like around the same time as us and I guess as part of as part of her thesis, she wrote like an entire novel, <laughs> and she yeah. yeah she has a post yeah. going around yeah. yeah right now where like she didn't she did not get the recognition she deserved for like all of the work that she did while she was at Co and she's yeah. she's trying to get them to like actually like you know give actually, give her what she deserves. Uh, I I'll put the link to the post in the description of this episode since I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I can tell you her name's Destiny Riley. There you go. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. As soon as she said, like, as soon as she went on about this, I'm like, yo, ding, ding. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to, yeah, I'm so glad you bring that up. Yeah, it's, she's like one where, like, she, I think she got an email from, like, David Hayes about, like, yo, what can we do, you know, for our POC, including yourself? You know, what? how can Code get back? Mm. It's just honest. Yo, give me that recognition. Like, they're doing it. You know what I mean? So hats off to, hats off to Co and really hats off to Destiny for, for doing that i'm really proud of her i think that's incredible yeah that's good i'm glad that they are listening exactly man a lot of the like why things are boiling over right now and there's like incredibly large protests in every major city in the country uh is specifically targeted at the way that police in the united states treat black people so deroja do you have any have you had any encounters with the police that have made you, you know, feel unsafe? Absolutely. I, to this day, knock on, knock, knock on this, uh, knock on wood here. Like to this day, I haven't been drug out or what have you. Like, yeah. you know, nothing where like get busted up or what have you. I can tell you what, never had a police like stop where I felt. I'll tell you that a hundred percent. My anxiety, my blood pressure probably doubles. My hands are attending to again. It's the way I think about it. It's like your body's like, all right, you know what to do. <laughs> you seen this on you seen this on cops. Unfortunately, you seen this. What <laughs> you know exactly what to do there, boy. Put you put your hands on the tendency or whatever, and say yes, sir, no, sir. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one time I was coming back from 
was a soul sharper at the time coming back from playing a show in Dubuque. It was one o'clock in the morning. Okay. And dude, this is like going down highway one from yeah. Dubuque to Iowa city. When I lived in Iowa city at the time, did you not man? Like it was like going through Solon, right at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I probably was going 75, right? I wanted to get, I wanted to make it home. Mm-hmm. You know, I was dead tired. Like I see like these lights just come close, closing in behind me. Oh shit. Oh shit. You know, I'm like, okay. Oh no. Oh no. I, I think I, I, yeah, I'm stopping. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I know exactly what to do in the back of my mind. I'm like, yo, like what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like this is one o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, I granted, like, I know I'm speeding or whatever. And I look at the cop. If he's an older guy, I'm like, crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy, you know, he, I'm going to be like, well, where are you going? You know, like, he's going to go straight to it, right? Yeah. So, like, I think you can tell I was nervous. It's like, dude, like, dude, my anxiety was high or whatever, but, like, looked at me with those piercing eyes or whatever, you know, and, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm just going to answer his questions. Here you go. Like, I know I was speeding, whatever. I'm doing what I can, right, just to, like, answer his damn questions or whatever. Basically, like what the Candace Owens or whatever say. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you just do what the cops tell you to do, you're not gonna have any problems. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I followed that dumb conservative voice in my head, like just listen, just obey, blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna help myself feeling like, yo, like, what if? Yeah. Like, what if? Like, you know what? Like, I didn't have my seatbelt on. What if they found something that looked like weed, bows, oregano? They found some weird powder. <laughs> you know what I mean? What if? You know what I mean? Like. Back in my mind, those questions are always being asked. Like those questions are always being asked. Right. Yeah. If if they want to do something to you, like they can they can make up whatever they want and do whatever they want. Make to, whatever basically. They want. <laughs> yeah. Depend, depending on how they feel, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know, in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking just like yo, like just do these questions. I think we'll be okay. It's like the thing with cops. It's like probably already know how much. I think by now you think they would know how much anxiety. A, are able to impose on people of color. Yeah. I think that they know. I feel like people like the Derek Chauvin or whatever, these assholes that like are killing black people feel like, you know what? There's itching just to, you know, just chomping at the bit yeah. just to like take out whatever aggression they have on someone they can, they, they see as a threat. Yep. Yep. But dude, even 1% is way too goddamn much. Like, I just feel like, percentage of folks that just they're just chomping just to like take out their aggression on, on poor black men like dude it's like you never know like who's got that gene and, and or the people that are really willing to exercise that sort of domination and it's like it's, it's that anxiety i don't think it'll ever go away because like i'm not sure what goes behind not sure what police training like i can tell you that police training is not that long <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean i think it was doesn't it think about a barber gets more experience like than uh, get more training than a policeman yeah i believe uh, uh hair, yeah. hairstylists to get their license uh those are typically uh longer requirements than to be a cop mm-hmm. yeah exactly like dude like <laughs> not to mention like the probably the the time that they probably skip through like you know they might they might have some sort of like de-escalation or not that's effective obviously you know you're seeing it <laughs> They're not doing much. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can pass all of these these regulations and make them go through all these trainings, but at the end of the day, they can still get away with whatever they want to do to you. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, they got the, they got the badge, you know, blue lives matter, blah, blah, blah. Like they have got so much on for them. It's like, like why would they want to like, you know, do what they can to like protect others, serve protect others when they have 
all this power riding on them. You look at these things, for instance, like and here's an extreme example, Dylan Roof. Yeah. You know what I mean? How is it that like a dude can kill a dozen people in the church? I mean, and then like he gets treated for Burger King. <laughs> yeah. And <yeah>. like <laughs> I could be sitting down, right? I could be looking at my peaceful, nice little thing or whatever, and like some like policeman can come in or whatever, God knows what reason, mow down the house. I mean, and like like nothing happened. Like I could be doing the most innocuous thing. You never know. Just yeah. don't get it. Like how how I don't get it. <laughs> There's a really recent example of that kind of dichotomy in in police behavior with the people that they are, uh, to use a general term, dealing with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I believe this was in Seattle. I mean, you can see this everywhere, the way that the cops have been reacting to protests. You can even see it here. Uh, last Wednesday night on Dubuque Street in Iowa City, cops fired tear gas at a group of protesters who posed no threat to them. Uh, I was among them. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there's videos all over, like the the old guy in Buffalo that got pushed over by a cop, landed on his head. Yeah. When it comes to the people who are protesting their brutality, they have no reservations about just, like, knocking you out, just beating the shit out of people. But Nothing. Yeah. But there was this guy in Seattle who, like, it seems like a racist guy, I guess, like, motivated by some sort of white power ideology he drove his car like into a crowd of people i don't think he hurt anybody with the car but i think that's what he was trying to do protesters tried to like you know get him to stop turn his car off etc he pulled a gun and shot one of the protesters like in the shoulder and then he got out of the car and ran over to the cops and they just like let him stand behind them (laughs) like no they saw him shoot a guy and like no no use of force necessary for that guy. Right. <laughs> it's maddening. Like, <laughs> you can have these folks dressed up in God knows militia, you know, war fatigues with their AK-47s blocking a, a, a federal building or, or a state building, mm-hmm. and they have protection. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, like, and people are like, oh, well, they're armed. The police can't do anything to them. But, like, what about the people that are unarmed, that are black, and are getting the shit kicked out of them? Right. Like, yeah. Why is why is that the excuse? Like, if, some, that the ex- exactly. if someone's like, unarmed, they have more reason to hurt them? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, I feel like video games speak, right? They probably think, okay, so here's this level one Rattata. I have a little 100 Charizard. I'm going to smoke the shit out of this, this <laughs> right now. I mean, because I'm going to feel good about myself. No, that's not what you do. You know what I mean? Like you paralyze. No, I'm kidding. You throw a pokeball <laughs> at him. You, throw a catch, you know what I mean? Like and you see this level 100 champ or whatever, and like they're they're exercising caution. Like, you would think that that would be inverse. I'm not advocating for deadly force, but it's like, why? Where's the disconnect? Is what I would like to know. Mm-hmm. Like when they do these police trainings and they're doing like they're doing like, and this is this is this is an all too common thing. Florida, I believe. I think one of their their police training things like their uh, target practice were old and inca- incarcerated black, black dudes. Yeah. 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 I mean like right there, that is basic. That is, that is feeling their implicit bias. Yeah. 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 How, like, how is that? Okay. Like, I mean, it's like people saying, yeah, like, well, French fries are good for you because they're vegetables. No, like, dude, like, I mean, you might be, you might be, you might have a good, you might have a good aim or whatever shooting that black person, but like that's feeling your, that's feeling your implicit bias. Like, clearly must know that there is that connection just choosing not to you know maybe sweep it under the rug but as you see now with in this day and age like a lot of stuff that's getting unearthed you know what i mean like 
Cedar Rapids, for instance, like now it's like, so I'm part of this group where like, we are basically, if there's, for instance, if there's like a, a business owner, or whatever, if there's somebody that's posting some BS or whatever mm-hmm. in t- on the public forum, like Facebook, we're putting that dude on blast and I'm all for it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Like, dude, I, here's the thing. There's a lot of people that are just being bold. <laughs> like, yo, I'm just going to go on Facebook and say like, fuck N words. I love Trump. I mean, like, yo, why? Like, you think that's a good idea? <laughs> like, yeah. Trying to lose like your medical license, bro. Like, <laughs> come on. It's not worth it. You're going to have to cancel a lot of people. <laughs> right. And dude, listen, I'm all for it. Like, this sounds terrible. Maybe it sounds like I'm being vindictive. But if, if I see something that like, or there's some racially charged stuff they're saying about Obama, they're saying about Floyd or whatever, and they have like, they, you know, they make a livelihood. I want to end that for them. Just, to, just say, <laughs> so you no, know, like, yo, like you can't be doing that. Like, I don't know. People call it cancel culture. I feel like that's righteous culture. I don't know, man. I don't think it's vindictive. I mean, if that kind of stuff is allowed to just spread unchecked without any sort of retaliation from the people that it aims mm-hmm. to dehumanize, like it's just going to keep getting worse. So there has to be some sort of consequence for it, you know? Exactly. And and that's the thing. Like, unfortunately, our friends at the right, you know, they call it cancel culture. They call they have all of these nine just like tables that they put on like the way we're trying to rectify things as a way like you said just to like make it trivial like oh they're being whiny leftist freaks or whatever i'm like no i think also i've been on the lookout for are people that are trying to like this whole thing about both sides there's no equivocating like one like yo it's the right side and like there's like the what are you doing on this side kind of there's no both sides like you're either you're either for like lives matter as far as far as i'm concerned or you're a shit human being that's the way i see it you have yeah. to understand what, where this comes from black lives matter we're trying, trying to like explain why all lives matter is wrong people are just choosing not to like it for themselves yeah i mean it's been like it's been like what five or six years since that became a slogan like exactly you've, you've, I'm been, like, you've yo. encountered it and you've thought about it so like you <laughs> i think you get it by now exactly yeah. right Exactly. And the thing is, in like, I see also like on forums like Facebook, I see people, I see black people of color like myself, whatever, saying, yo, like, this is why you can't say the things that you have been saying for the longest time. They're still getting into arguments with these people. Like, people are still arguing with like the POC about this. Like, li- what are you doing? Like, listen, we're not saying that you're wrong. I mean, you are. We're not saying that like you're a piece of shit, but like, now's the time to like, really turn some stuff around and like yeah i find really nice about what you're doing justin you know what my friend you know what hannah's doing the freedom writers also uh, what our friend uh katherine stanislavski yeah, yeah yeah she's all for it you know you know she's a bernie bro like us and like dude like she gets it you know what i mean like like you know what like for when like we had the slogan for bernie where it's like you know when we were, we were doing well in, in iowa and uh Something about not messing around, or not fucking around. What oh, was what, uh, what was fuck around and find out? Right now, exactly. That's 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 what we're saying now. Like, <laughs> yo, listen, race. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's our moment, dude. Like, I think one day I'd like to go out and like march with y'all. But I feel like whatever I can do to be a mouthpiece, my way. Like, whether it's like people on blast, whether it's like you know raising awareness, because I know a lot of my white friends are. People on Facebook that I, you know, that that Facebook calls friends for me, small town, <laughs> like for them to know, yo, this is where I stand. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, it comes across as something that 
Oh, that doesn't sound good to your ears. Maybe you had a problem. Maybe this might be like a, a line in the sand where like, yo, this is where I stand. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to act on what I'm saying? If you're going to go on change or whatever, I guess. But it's like, I I feel like now it's like, this is the sand are being drawn and there's no turning back. Yeah. And it's kind of exciting, yeah. even though it's scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's time to, time to reckon with the deep evil that this country is was built on you know like this is we need to confront this like it's been too fucking long way too fucking long that's the thing and it's like the way i see it's like you know how like you live in a house with bad insulation america with a house of bad insulation it's time to change the insulation yes it's cold outside and you're gonna feel the cold because we're changing the insulation Hmm. insulation is rotting from the inside we got to get rid of it so i feel like it is a growing pain for america Granted, like, there's a lot of America that I dislike and I like. We can't have it both ways. I'd be like, yep, and I love my my, af- my apple pie and ice cream and my old you know, side of racism to go with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know deep down that that racism is like that trans fat that's in your KFC that makes it taste good. You're white. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they know that it tastes good. And it's like, now is the time to, like, be said to reckon with, like, the problem because – whether you like it or not, things will things are probably gonna like be more destructive before it gets better. Yeah. Like, I think people want to go back. To, there's a section among us, you know, our right wing folks or whatever that don't want to see that change. They want to go back to like being complacent. Like they want to go back to the conversations that aren't about race, even though they kind of have to be about race now. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, like we're talking about it. You either you know, this is, what, this, is this is where we're at. You know what I mean? And like. People are going to be uncomfortable. You know, they kind of have to deal with it. Fortunately, it's like there's a right side and there's a wrong side. Can't there's no way to sugarcoat it anymore. We can't. There can't be a gray area with race. Unfortunately, I know people like I worked with that are like, oh well, I don't see race or like they tried to like sugarcoat. Like, actually, here's the most recent racial experience. I lied. So, like, I worked at a place that delivered oxygen. Mm-hmm. If your folks ever have loved ones that need oxygen, do not go to limb care. <laughs> they are awful people um, for many reasons. But one, the office manager there, never met the most closeted racist person in my life until I had a conversation with her about black people in Cedar Rapids. Sorry, about, about black people? Is that what you said? Dude, it was me. I'm, I can tell you clearly. It was me. I'll, her name will be anonymous. Um, <laughs> she's the, 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 the lady that sits in the front desk. My boss at the time I was just going off about black people need to pull up their pants. It's not even the worst part, right? Mm-hmm. She's talking about how like people need to pull up their pants and how she used to like had this like weird obsession about driving up to one and hey, pull your pants up. Oh, and dude, I'm like, what? And I'm just listening to this. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, this is my second week of the job. I'm like, I'm, this is my second month of the job. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to play, you know, trying to save face here, right? takes it a step further because I told her about my racist experience called nigger when I was at the when I was at the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So after she hears me tell me this, she goes on to tell me about black people in Cedar Rapids, how there's a difference between black people and waits for two seconds she says niggers. <laughs> she said it. <laughs> and said it, dude. She said it, and she said it was so much like it was like triple forte, bro. She said nigger. Chris Rock style, yeah. yeah exactly, it was definitely Rock style. Like, like, <laughs> looked at me, I'm like, what did this woman say? And like, the the, fun, the most fun part about this whole thing, Justin, is that she didn't get fired. 
part two, my boss that recently took on this job asked me what she thought that she should do. She's a boss, and she's asking <laughs> yeah. me, my person, what the fate of this person that said niggers. <laughs> like, uh, that's up to you. So, like, basically, she coaxed me into basically letting her off warning. And, like, she still made more stupid comments. She said the word towelhead, you know, in mid-sentence. So, yeah. you know, so she still works there, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, things like that. I'm like, needless to say, I got fired because I didn't give a shit about that job anymore. <laughs> but the people that the people that I served and protected with my oxygen, I couldn't say the same about the company that I was representing. Yeah. It's our garbage. So, like. I know, once again, it sounds vindictive, but it's like, look at those experiences. I'm like, yo, like, I subject yourself to that for one. I mean, and two, it's like, there's got to be, there there has to be, like, a reckoning here. I mean, like, there's got to be some lines drawn in the sand here. Yeah, man, I I mean, that's kind of like my two cents on the whole thing. You know what I mean? Especially with my, especially with my experiences, you know? Yeah, uh, and speaking of lines in the sand, and we brought up the Iowa Freedom Riders a couple times. You can follow them on Instagram, Iowa Freedom Writers. It's all one word. Uh, they have put out a list of demands to the Iowa City Council and the Iowa City Police Department. And I would like to read those now on the show. Uh, they've been continually updating this list of demands. And uh, we on the show are very big fans of lists of demands. So I'm very much in favor of, of their uh, tactics here. Uh, The current list, which they released three days ago, is as follows. Drop all charges against protesters, including citations, tickets, etc. A little background information. One of the leaders of the Iowa City protests, uh, I believe his name is Mazin Muhammad Ali. Uh, He was arrested on Sunday. You know, they, they went back, they had like old charges on him. And it's it's pretty clear that they just are like, retaliating against him for leading these protests he was held without bail at the johnson county jail and then uh, they moved him all the way over to marshall county so we can't even like rally outside of the jail where he is Uh, and they were super vindictive with tickets on monday i know that people were getting tickets for littering when the city had not emptied any of the public garbage cans. <laughs> yeah, uh, stuff like that. They were really like going after people on Monday. So, yeah, first demand is to drop all the charges, including citations and tickets. Second demand is a strong statement from ICPD in favor of protests, including deprioritization of law and order and property damage. Instead, a prioritization of police accountability for racism while also addressing issues of systemic racism and inequality. The third demand is the full publication of the ICPD budget and specifically on budget spending. That's an interesting one. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a no brainer. Like, that should be a slam dunk for oh, yeah. anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's funny because, like, People think of like defund the police. You're like, oh shit. Well, who's gonna stop? Who's gonna stop murders or whatever? I'm like, you look at like these big cities like New York. I think New, I think NYPD is like six billion dollars, something like that. Bro, like you know, what I mean, you're gonna be fine if like you if we cut you back a few billion dollars. Like <laughs> we put that towards something that like for the greater good. Yeah, and and that concern specifically, like, oh, who's gonna solve the murders? Well, I mean, they largely already don't. Like <laughs> exactly. the cops yeah. just 
like they don't do the things that you are scared of them not doing if we take their money away. <laughs> exactly. I'll do it. I'll do it. Right. And, and that's the thing. And it's like people are pissed about the idea of like, you know, bankrupt. I'm like, yo, like even our small, like even like the set six, seven biggest size, like budgets for their police department are bigger than some other countries' military budgets. Yeah. Insane. That makes no goddamn sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I love I love these demands. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next demand is every Iowa City department should have at least 30% of its staff dedicated to diversity and inclusion. I assume what they mean by that is, like, representation within the department hires should, you know, reflect the population of the city. I think that's what they mean by that. I think so, too. And I think 30% is a pretty modest proposal, so... Definitely reasonable there. And that's what I, this is ICPD, right? You said? Yeah, this is directed at uh, the Iowa City Council and at the police department. Uh, the next one is every institution and business must not only have, but also is required to implement an equity toolkit. Uh, I think I need to educate myself on that one. I don't know exactly what that means. Two. Equity toolkit. Equity toolkit. I mean, I, I endorse this regardless of if I know exactly what it means. <laughs> Right. I like the sound of it. Yeah. <laughs> a clear and sensible plan for affordable housing. This one I, is huge. Yeah, this is really important, uh, especially in Iowa City, uh, because okay. all all residential development in Iowa City in the past few years, as far as I've seen, is uh, dedicated to empty luxury condos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, d- redirecting. This is good. This is good redirecting some funds and some effort to uh, making sure people have housing, I think is uh, that should be a huge priority here. Uh, The next one is uh, Johnson County sheriffs and ICPD may not enforce evictions. It goes well with the previous one. And especially given that we have been in a global pandemic for the last three months, I think uh, not enforcing evictions is a bare minimum like <laughs> show of humanity <laughs> yeah. yeah like you said that's that's a minimum yeah uh iowa city provide funds for the special populations involvement uh program this is part of the parks and recreation department so okay. yeah good with that uh next one is the curfew must be lifted in coralville this one Ta-da. we got that one achieved <laughs> yeah, we got that <laughs> you can finally go to those. You can finally go to those midnight midnight releases at uh, Video Games Etc. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know, but that's good though. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I I was so mad about the curfew because it it was so transparent. Yeah, dude, I remember a little bit of the, about this curfew. Scared the absolute piss out of me. I was um I was at Aldi and like it was six. It was like five thirty, and then like the guy and then like the the store manager like makes his blatant announcement. Yo, like. Everybody has to leave it like in 30 minutes or whatever because of the curfew. I'm like, oh, damn. I mean, because like, and it makes sense. I mean, because of the curfew, but like, yo, it just like it felt weird. I'm like, this is like some Black Mirror shit. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it'd be a thing, but here we are, you know? Yeah, it's really, really strangely authoritarian. And it was like, Thank you. some people stole from a Walmart. <laughs> like, the night, the night after a police station was burned down in Minneapolis. 
a few people here, like the worst they did was steal from a Walmart and break steal some from windows. A Walmart. Yeah, and uh, the ci- the city of Coralville, population twenty thousand, had a curfew for the next week because of it. Talk <laughs> <laughs> about an overreact, like, dude, like, listen, like, personally, like, I'm my black ass ain't gonna loot anything. Like, <laughs> I mean, personally, come on, like, come on. <laughs> like I think I, I remember you said something about like <laughs> the way that you said it was like oh my god we must protect like our tires plus or <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, like, our, our window, like you're, you said it right there you know <laughs> when they yeah when they announced the curfew one of the photos that was attached to like the news uh announcements of this uh it was the tires plus over by coral ridge and like one <laughs> tiny window <laughs> was broken <laughs> I don't need a. Oh my god! <laughs> what time is? Oh shit! Yeah. Like, first off, like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to? They just like the most random ass thing. I'm gonna like fuck you, especially to this tires plus window. <laughs> That's my. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was clearly just like one guy was pissed off. It's not like a big deal. <laughs> exactly. It's like, dude, like, come on. This could have been like the funny thing is, this could have been like a regular ass day. Could have been could have been like on a tuesday uh, you know like a march before all this there'll mm-hmm. be no goddamn curfew. no <laughs> i mean like <laughs> they're trying to like they're trying to nip some in that imaginary bud because of what happened mm-hmm. you know a seat above us like come on that's the way i see it it's an overreaction yeah and i can tell you that there were not any police enforcing the curfew in my neighborhood they were all over it, <laughs> in that business district like over by the mall it was all about just protecting our local businesses exactly exactly you know like that's it's a damn shame but it's like when i heard about that curfew i'm like you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah i mean if, if i was city impose a curfew do you think people would follow it i don't think so man <laughs> knowing like i feel I, I i don't think so either <laughs> i feel like that would probably get more people yeah i that's probably why they didn't do the curfew in iowa city is because like it would just they'd immediately be embarrassed because nobody would obey it. <laughs> exactly. Like, Oh, you're supposed to be. No, like, no, nah, I'm not marching. <laughs> like, you know, you ain't going to, you ain't going to tell 90,000 people to like stay, you know, stay in their homes. There's no damn way. <laughs> like the thing that I'm waiting for, like naysayers about like, Oh, we can't be protesting or whatever. Are they going to be like talking about the COVID numbers? Mm. I can't wait for people to start seeing that bullshit yeah i mean like right before all the protests started popping off is when all the states were like okay it's time to open back up everything is cool <laughs> and open back up. and they're gonna use hey, they're gonna use like civic unrest as a scapegoat for when the virus oh, numbers totally. spike again yeah. see i can smell it like i smell i smelled it yesterday like who hot's open who hot is open right now yeah you'll get sick there anytime like no matter (laughs) when you go exactly oh my god nobody should go to a buffet like let alone who hot especially right now (laughs) listen i love i love i love i'm big black man i love buffets but like there's no way right now i'm going to one right now like dude like and that's the thing it's like they're gonna blame it on like on the quote-unquote civil unrest i'm gonna be here for it i'm definitely gonna knock some people down can't wait (laughs) and i think the thing about this too it's like racial stuff started to really become like started to kind of like spill over you know into this country now more so mm-hmm. i feel like i'm starting to become less tolerant of other people's bullshit yeah i mean especially like pull something and like i can tell you right now like i think you were here for it i, think I posted something about a few months ago and like 
partisan Sherpa. Like, it was something about, it was like an anti-racist thing. Like, yo, like, I don't hate white people. I hate racist white people. Whatever. Something sure. that I figured was a no-brainer. <laughs> and this person, like, posted some just right, I, I worse than alt-right kind mm. of stuff. You know what I mean? Was going after my family for living in Nigeria that I didn't have a say about black issues. Things like that. Like, dude, I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm going, I'm going after him. At that point, I'm like, yo, like, it comes about comes about basically my life and how I look like and other people I am going to come attacking. It's that point where like you can't feel like I can't just sit there and take it anymore. You just can't. I mean, like something something had to give. You know what I mean, and mm-hmm. I felt like that's where that line in the sand was drawn for me. I'm 32 years old, and that just happened recently. I'm just coming to terms with like. Yeah, and I mean, it's not it's not like your responsibility for these people to like recognize you and your family as humans but if you if you just let it happen mm-hmm. like it's just gonna get worse like unfortunately that exactly. unfortunately that's you know that's it's on you now like you have that that weight on you as well even though it's not at all your exactly. fault like it's completely on them <laughs> exactly i guess with video game talk it's like if you're like if you have a random battle i mean and they attack first you're not gonna run away unless like you can't can't subdue them with your magic and fighting. If you can handle the, if you can handle the opposition or whatever coming that back at you, and you can like just say it. But it's like you said, it's like even though like you weren't, ne- it wasn't necess- initially incumbent on you to like mm-hmm. be the aggressor or fight back. Mm-hmm. You're put in that position where you, that's your only recourse. You can't run. Yeah, you either attack, defend, or use magic or your item, but you can't run. Like with video games, it's kind of the way I see it now. Yeah, and that's that's sort of a way that you can look at like the protests in general, and like a lot of the the vandalism and the if violence happens at these protests, it's like it's part that's part of that too. Is like this isn't what somebody's really planning to do. It's just like exactly like they they <laughs> right. they didn't initiate this encounter. <laughs> you know, like this exactly. this is a reaction to reaction. what our system and the to to make it even larger what like capital and the protectors of capital are doing to them like with mm-hmm. the cops that's as point that's as as all encompassing all encompassing as you can make it mm-hmm. and that's very good that's the thing it's yeah. like you know what i mean and it's like this is where you sit you know in the, you know in the macrocosmic kind of picture like how how would you what's your role now you know what i mean it's like like i think somebody posted something about like in you know, in relation to the protests and stuff, like you were a video game class. All right. The protest. What are you? It's not that you know you're not a spectator now. You're in the video game now. The damn video game. I was talking to Paige about. I'll have to share you this link, and I think you might have seen it. They had like, for instance, I think you and Jerry are like paladins. Or like <laughs> you're gonna battle like fuckwits on the internet, you know, spewing their crap. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna use your knowledge. You know, you're gonna do the hand to hand stuff. I feel like I'm like a ranger. A ranger actually takes pictures of like shit that's happening and puts them on blast. I feel like that's my, what my role is. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. And I, I think part yeah. of part of my role is uh, as a bard. You know, I, I always kind yeah. of identify with the bard since it's it's such a music based class uh, in role playing. Yeah. And our bard, and I actually, I believe in that uh, in that meme. Part of the bard's role is to spread the word about what's happening, which I've I've do. definitely been trying to uh, help with that. 
dude, in such a very, in very good way, like you especially, man, like all the freedom, right? Like you also, like you as bards can also fight too. You can, you can knock out a motherfucker that says something stupid. I mean, yeah, like, I think that's incredible. Like, you know, I, um, I find a lot of like uh, solace in like what you guys are doing, hell, what we're doing to like, I mean, whether we like it or not, it's not like we woke up one day before all this shit happened. Like, you know what? Rebel against the system and see what happens. Like now, there's like we kind of have to now. It's more spontaneous than that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's there's more of an impetus behind it now. Yeah, and that, that's how uprisings tend to work. Is like eventually something just is too much of an issue. <laughs> and... <laughs> exactly. We literally can't take this shit anymore. Like, because you can't you can't dangle a twelve hundred dollar carrot in front of us and expect us to be okay with it. I mean, like, I mean, like, listen. Some people even haven't even gotten their goddamn carrot. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, exactly, it, it all does kind of come. It all comes back to this. It's funny, like, ever since the damn like primaries, ever since the caucuses, ever since that whole thing with like Iowa and like the whole cluster that we experienced with like the voting. Yeah, I knew that you know what. This is the beginning of some stuff that we're about to experience. Like, you know, I mean, this is where no, there's no turning back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, yeah, you can't let this shit go by. I certainly, no? I, I certainly can't say that I could have predicted the path we were on on caucus night. <laughs> but, oh, but no, no, uh, yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, not to say that we, for real though, it's like this is before, obviously before COVID, before like, here's the thing though, if it weren't for like, with COVID and stuff like that, and like George Floyd, we hear about an you know like an Ahmaud Arbery, a George Floyd, or you know um, the, the 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 gal from Louisville. I forgot her name. Anna Taylor, right? Yeah, Anna Taylor. Anna Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Anna Taylor. Like, would these be more footnotes? Like, did critical mass? Did that get the critical? Ma- did we reach critical mass because of COVID? Is it because more black people are dying? I know it sounds bleak. It's like is it a happy accident? You can't ignore like how all of these events interact with each other. I mean, and you can go back. I mean, I think we're past the point of Bernie Sanders relevancy, but I I do think that it, it he played a role in terms of like an attempt at bringing about some social democratic reforms through our electoral system, opening a lot of people's eyes to like what what would be possible for us to do through just like voting and encouraging other people to vote and like helping other people like get the right to vote things we can accomplish through representative democracy bringing all of us together then those hopes just being completely fucking crushed <laughs> oh dude oh boy yeah yeah oh yeah so exactly no, you're right yes so we activated a lot of people through that campaign who then just totally like those hopes were dashed uh, then we get a global pandemic where a lot of us, a lot of us lost our jobs, so we have a lot of time on our hands, uh, more time to think and observe the world around us. And also, part of that observation is like how completely unprepared and unwilling to deal with the health crisis, the systems that we have in place in America and really worldwide, like how unprepared they were to deal with that and how, again, unwilling they were to help us through that moment. So there's like, there's a real like righteous anger that's stoked even more against the people that run this place. And then it's like, even despite all that, the cops are still killing black people for no reason. (laughs) 
I, you're like, okay, well, yeah, now you're like, wait a minute, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, now that we've had time to pro- really process this whole damn thing, but now that we're processing, you know, this burning like dumpster fire that we're that we're living in, we're seeing goddamn black people getting shot. Like now, like our attentions are being put to like, wait a minute, this is a goddamn problem. It's like this itch is now more pronounced that we have to scratch and take care of. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It's like really had to take a perfect storm for us to achieve this righteousness. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like yeah. whether or not that, like looking back, you know, like maybe it's what needed to happen, but here we are. Right. No, it just, it just gets you to really think like, damn, like after all this time, you know, and this shit's happening and now we're really, we still have Washington Redskins for God's sakes (laughs) as a team name. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you know, we have a lot of cleanup to do in aisle five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Have you listened to uh, the new Run the Jewels album? Have I? Oh, dude, I was praying that you'd be talking about this <laughs> five times. What was it? Walking in the snow. Yeah, that one's great. I was yeah. thinking when you brought up the Redskins, I was thinking of the line, "Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar." Oh my dollar! <laughs> yes. Oh my god, dude. That's what I'm saying though. That song was playing in my head constantly because, like, should be this should be the anthem of 2020, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's exactly that's that's the anger, man. I really like the last song where, like, where it goes into the, you know, the, I think the song about the the firing squad. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Last words for the firing squad or something like that. Last words for the firing squad. And then it goes to this outro about the Yankee and the Brave. <laughs> like, even though it's like, it's a neat little, like, it's, it's an outro that's got a lot, a lot of these cool sonic effects and stuff like that. That's really, like, kind of neat. It really kind of has this whole, I thought about the Yankee and the Brave. So, like, ELP, I believe, is is the other side of Wonder Jewel's Killer Mike. Yeah. You had the Yankee, which I'm assuming is ELP. Mm-hmm. He's from New York, New York Yankees. The Brave. Mike, he's from Atlanta. Atlanta Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think about, this is a stretch, <laughs> but just think of it as just like a unity kind of thing. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Listen to that outro. When they go into Yankee and the Brave, I'm like, yo, like, I might be reading too much into it, but I'm like, the song starts out with Yankee and the Brave and it ends with that. I'm like, yo. They came with like a unifying message is the way, where I was going with this yeah. about like, we're going to rise up and fucking walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners. I, I know that killer Mike gave a weird speech in Atlanta a while back. Uh, <laughs> his dad was a cop. So he has like, he has like weird conflicted statements about police and everything. Uh, mm. But I, I do think that uh, a lot of the lyrics on that album are, are actually like pretty moving. Yeah. I had no idea that killer Mike had those, I had those sentiments. Well, it, like, yeah, because like if you listen to his music, he's like "fuck the law." He has <laughs> he has songs about shooting police, so it's like you don't seem to have any reservations about this in your your work. So what's what's the problem? The problem, right, right, right. So like it's interesting because like him and Bernie had like been like this. Did Bernie say something about defunding the police? I know Biden did about uh, not. I mean the. What the hell? The headlines that have come out about Bernie are like he's he's not willing to latch on to the the movement of defunding the police. I mean, some of some of the statements he makes are like, yes, that's good, but he's not really willing to go far enough. And I I think it's it's a lot to do with him like losing the primary and he's just not he's not as important of a figure anymore. So he, he might as well just play along with the Democrats, I guess. Hey, honestly, dude, like. April, dude, I'm telling you, like, actually, hell, it was Super Tuesday with the Bloomberg and all those folks. I'm like, okay, the, the fix is in. Yeah. Right? I told myself like that, like, right 
actually no shit this was actually south this is a south south carolina yeah that was only a few days before super tuesday but yeah that's when i realized yo i smell some be- i smell some smoke like and the the dnc already knows that they're creating the smoke i mean it's like you already know that like this is not going to be good like is that to say i was preparing like my jetpack to like from this whole thing i still had hopes i still you yeah. know what i mean like i still did have hopes yeah like i think you're absolutely right about like he's not relevant right now but like fire that he's stoked from the get-go is relevant this is our, this is our fight now it's way bigger than winning the goddamn presidency as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you there i mean like granted on november i'll do the damn thing i'll vote i mean but i will not listen i will not be this is not something that i Come November, I'll do the damn thing. I'll tell you right now, I'm not happy about it. Yeah. I am just I have to think about that day. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna judge people either way. Like I like you said, I think what we're doing now is way more important than the election anyway. So it's like way more important than the election. Like, I don't give a shit if you vote for Biden or not. <laughs> right, exactly. Dude, that's what I'm saying. We might even get to the point if this if this Joker loses, the, you know, the White House, whatever. It's not like he's going to give it up without a fight anyway. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't even fucking matter. He is the dude that just says words, <laughs> rolls up his face, and pisses us off. He doesn't do anything. It's like in the movie, like the Labyrinth. He has no power over me. Right. You know what I mean? Like even though David Bowie is yeah, yeah. hell of a lot more poor than a goddamn politician, <laughs> real like he. You know what I mean? Like, he can just say whatever bullshit he says. I mean, it'll piss me off, but, like, it'll ruin my life. Like, it's, it is, like, the problem is, like, I feel like he's a symptom of the problem. What we're doing right now is getting rid of the fucking problem. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to address the actual... I want to finish this list of demands, but what you just said, it pulled me in another direction. What you're, what you're saying is, like, uh, Trump and what he does does not really have that much authority over you as an individual. Right? Is that what you're getting at? Say, okay, so I can't control what people, him as a demagogue, and like what his supporters are trying to assert, you know, what they're trying to absorb from his bullshit. Because mm-hmm. listen, this random ass white dude that is on a Trump bender can, you know, kill me, whatever. Sure. And this as an extreme, you know, because he stokes those fires. As far as what he says, like, I remember in 2016 when he got elected, I thought, dude, we're fucked. I was, I, I was completely drunk. I was complete. I was completely, I was just distraught for a week. Right. And yeah. you know, and that was a bad year. But like now I'm like, dude, he is, you know, he's a joker. He doesn't mean shit to me. I mean, like, yeah. I'm just saying that just like as a person, I'm saying that like, as like your head or whatever, I don't see him as anything more than that. Okay. He's just a mouthpiece that some ignorant people listen to. Those are jokers that I'm more scared of than him. Yeah, yeah. I was going to connect that to the protests and and what's happening now. Like, what we're doing collectively is kind of showing that, like, the only way that these people have authority over us Mm -hmm. is through force. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. If we come together and decide together, like, we're not going to obey the laws, like, we can just do that. <laughs> and the only exactly. the only thing they can do back is is hurt us. You know, like the, the authority comes from their ability to use force. And the more we like force that question, the more people will recognize that and see that it's wrong, right. I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let me get back to the Iowa Freedom Riders demands here because I, I do want to make sure everyone listening knows what these uh, this group is 
demanding from our city and our police department. So the next one is a plan to restructure ICPD towards community policing, similar to what is happening in Minneapolis, Camden, New Jersey, and Los Angeles, California. Uh, I personally think that Iowa City is like a perfect example of a community where something like that would work. I don't think we need a traditional police department in order to go about our business. Next one is reforming the Iowa City Community Police Review Board so that it has real power, including but not limited to the ability to subpoena officers. The reformed CPRB must also have the ability to enact and enforce measurable consequences when the board recommendations are not followed or implemented. This, I think, is an important one. I'm not even aware of what authority the Community Police Review Board has at this time. I doubt a lot of Iowa City residents are even aware that it is a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, having some uh, some sort of board that holds the police department accountable seems like it would be definitely a net positive. Uh, then we've also got the Iowa City Police Department divestment from and removal of military-grade equipment and contracts from the federal government. Yeah, I don't think you really need tanks to uh, police a college town. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy out of the, out of the protests whose main thing was like making sure we all know that the Iowa City Police Department has an MRAP, which uh, if you don't know is a I don't know the exact um, what the letters stand for M R A P mine resistant uh, something vehicle. So they have basically like a big truck that can drive over mines uh, in uh, in Iowa City. <laughs> you don't need what the. F- <laughs> 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 yeah. Don't need that. No. <laughs> uh, they've got a few demands here that are directed at the Iowa City School Board. It starts with an al- alternative school review board process for students who are being sent to alternative schools. Sounds good. I assume that they are just sort of sending black kids to alternative schools without any oversight. Uh, that's that's just mm-hmm. a conjecture for me, but I'm guessing that's what's happening. A more diverse school board that is representative of the members of the community. Okay, good. I agree with that. That is an elected position, so that's something that uh, we could possibly have a direct input on. Uh, The complete removal of security resource officers from public schools. This is a big one, like, everywhere in the country. Um, There are schools that have multiple cops every day, but don't have, like, a nurse or a librarian. Uh, seems like those funds could be redirected pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an actively anti-racist curriculum that demonstrates a well-rounded and complete knowledge of black history in the United States of America. We contend that this be implemented through anti-racist personnel and hiring of a diverse staff that is qualified to do the work necessary for these changes to occur. Uh, that's a whole other subject, but how was uh, Black History Month for you in school, DeRosa? Did you learn a lot? A fucking joke. I learned more from my family than I did from Black History Month. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> and so, this is embarrassing. Like, I didn't know about Juneteenth until I graduated from college. Oh, yeah. that's. I think I learned about that maybe two or three years ago. <laughs> I mean, like, are you fucking... And it really made me mad, like the Tulsa, the, the Tulsa massacre, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, that Trump is really, you know, like, that he's going to Tulsa. Like, I didn't even learn about that until like just like a random like Wikipedia search a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like this is, that's like ridiculous. And like, but other than that though, like the stuff that we learned, our black history month was, I mean, our black, our black history learning was from at home. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
you know how people say, oh, every day is Black History Month for Black people. Well, it kind of is. Like, mm-hmm. we had to learn things not because it was an elective sort of, you know, elective sort of deal. I had to learn about it. To learn where we came from. We had to learn, like, we had to learn those things. We learned about, we learned about slavery. I think I was like five or six. We learned about how it was to be in a slave ship. Just kind of like by my, my mom just kind of painting us a picture. Learn about all that shit. Like, yeah. we learned about what we learned about in middle school. I think we read Sounder. Do you know that book, Sounder? Uh, it sounds familiar. I don't know if I read it though. The book Sounder, right? It, it was a goddamn joke. It was like the. It was like basically it was like a. It was like a dog that lived in a share in a, in a sharecropper's house, mm-hmm. and that was Black History Month. <laughs> I learned about this fucking dog that lived in like a sharecropper's house. Like I think we read To Kill a Mockingbird. Of course, we learned about that. And like, but no, dude, Black History Month or whatever it. <laughs> In Mount, in high school, Mount Pleasant, I think like the unit, the the college Iowa Wesleyan definitely had some, they had some like uh, programs that like a high school collegiate sort of like collaboration. Then Iowa Wesleyan would have like some sort of like history month or sort of like display or what have you mm-hmm. that kids could attend. Things like things like that. But no, the curriculum was very sparse. We learned about our explorers. <laughs> we learned about that, but we. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course, MLK. I mean, MLK, you know, I mean, of course, white people love MLK. Oh, yeah. Love his quotes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what about, so what about yourself? Just. Yeah, early on, I remember learning about like uh, George Washington Carver. Uh, I remember getting into MLK in elementary school. I know, I knew about Rosa Parks. I knew about, we learned a little bit about <laughs> like uh, sit ins and the, the bus stuff with Rosa Parks, of course. Um, but it was all sort of presented as if that was like a completely separate era when it at the time exactly at the time it was like 30 years ago you know <laughs> yeah like yo this is yeah your parents were kids kind of a thing right, right? yeah you know like I mean? my, like, my parents would have seen some of this stuff happen on tv jesus exactly like black history month is like black history is now and like the, you know like the girl one of the first black women that got part of an integrated you know to be integrated yeah, yeah. 65. Right, right. 60 goddamn. Oh, yeah. Black History Month was definitely taught by my parents, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't learn about Malcolm X until high school. I had uh, a black, um, I don't remember what the class was called, but it was, you know, like an English class. And I, I read the uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X, and that was Sick, pretty eye opening to me at that time. <laughs> Have you seen the movie with uh, Denzel? Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we watched that in class too. I don't remember it super well though. Dude, yeah, it definitely scarred me, man. Like, <laughs> how droll it was. Yeah, but I, it was such a good movie though. Yeah, yeah, I, I still remember the the assassination scene. Somebody says, "Get your hand out of my pocket," right? That's the part I remember. Yeah, dude, that assassination scene really fucked me up. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. And I watched it. I was like eight, nine. And just like that, that was our history. I mean, I was like learning about our people in the, you know, in the States, you know, just like, wow, just point blank, you know, mm-hmm. I like to think that with these demands, I'm sorry, were there some more demands? I'm sorry. Actually, there are two more. Uh, and these are, these are directed at our governor, Kim Reynolds. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, and the first one is decriminalize the use and possession of marijuana, 40 grams and under Yeah. this one. Yeah. Obviously I'm totally on board. Uh, I, I think this is a completely reasonable uh, demand here. I like. I personally would say just you know, decriminalize all <laughs> possession and use. Just leave it alone. 
it's all fine. But uh, that's that, I think that's a fine place to start, 40 grams and under. Uh, and then the second one is reduction of probation length for ex-convicts and no drug testing for marijuana. Yes. A huge supporter of that. I love it. Yep, I'm on board with that one too. I believe that there's been recent progress in terms of re-enfranchising uh, felons in Iowa, which I'm I'm glad to see. So I mm. I think it, that came to mind for me as something that's absent from this list of demands, but I think it's because we're already seeing movement there. Yes, yes. I I think these are these are incredible. I like how like the freedom writers like this is not just I mean, these, these are quality of life, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in every facet, you know what I mean? Like this is stuff that is going to have some positive change that you know, before all this, like, you know, we, we could have just, we, we can't just hitch our hopes to another president. Mm-hmm. I mean, to like solve these things or whatever, having some, you know, having a whole grassroots entity actually propose them and maybe lobby for them. Yeah. So this is, is more impactful. And inconvenience and cause problems for people until <laughs> their demands are like at least right. d- dealt with in s- in a serious way. Like if right. if not enacted in full, like every single letter, like they're at least taken seriously. Uh, we can actually cause problems for people until then. This is this is great, and like I can't wait to see what happens. If we have to march some more to actually make ourselves more heard. Yeah, I'm more than willing to keep getting out there uh, in support of the Freedom Riders. Uh, I told you right before we started recording that they marched right by my house earlier today. Yeah. Are they, um, I wonder how long, did they march? How how long do they march for? Do you know? Uh, you get back pretty late. Generally, but they started really early today. They started at 3 p.m. Um, and I think the, the intention was that, wow. that they'd be blocking off some roads when people got off work. So they'd be kind of maximizing uh, the visibility. But other times, like there are times where I like I would I would meet up with the main group at six and get home at like one in the morning. So <laughs> we've been going for several hours each time. Usually, I'm always glad when I get like your mess. You know, when I get like your Facebook scene, I get back safe and everybody. So that that's that's definitely nice to nice to see. You know, yeah, that's that's kind of a new development in my life. I've never really felt like I need to <laughs> make my <laughs> make my safety known to all of my friends, but. uh Right. I'm glad to have a support system who's paying attention to that. <laughs> yeah, dude, of course. I'm, I'm really glad, Justin, to see that because I hate for anything to happen to you or, you know, anyone that you care about, you know, so. Yeah, me too. Fortunately, um, nothing too, like, permanent or serious has happened uh, here. But, you know, people are getting really messed up in protests all over the place. And it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Like, those not those non-lethal bullets come on like that's ridiculous man yeah i mean you can blind people with that easily pop out and like seriously like it just just baffles me just like how they have these you know these serious things just to you know act like they're freaking batman for god's sake you know (laughs) you're gonna throw a battering at them like it's not gonna tickle like it's gonna like Mm -hmm. like dude like what do you expect like it's gonna fuck somebody up like they know this and they keep they do it you know what i mean like come on like obviously it's creatures to choir, but yeah yeah but it's yeah it's worth remembering like these a lot of these people in uniform it's like i mean you can't help but assume that they get sadistic pleasure out of what they're doing of course they do yeah. chauvin like i wish that people don't look at Derek chauvin as an outlier yeah exactly obviously he's a piece of shit he probably you know what like he definitely, you know, I'm sure he had some premeditation in there. You see that grin. You see that grin on that dude's face while he's killing 
be killing George Floyd. I I can't say that I haven't seen that in other, you know, like, yeah. like I, I bet that like a lot of the folks that have like gotten killed by the police, that those folks that have done it, like have gotten some sort of like rush of whatever you want to call it, testosterone or whatever, that they've definitely gotten some pleasure out of it too. It's really disgusting. I just wish people were like, oh, well, they're the bad, like you can't have bad apples in the, you know, like you shouldn't have bad apples, you know, <laughs> and especially in this type of job. Chris Rock said, like, you know, yeah, you can't have bad, you can't have bad apples that are pilots. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes we like to land. I mean, like most of our pilots like to land, you know what I mean? Like what the hell? Yeah. And people who, people who employ the bad apples uh, axiom in defense of the police, it seems like they forget like how that statement ends. Bad apples spoil the whole bunch. So the, <laughs> the whole thing's fucked. Exactly. <laughs> I've had bad apples in real life. It happens. Like you have one bad apple, all your produce is fucked if it's close by. Like you're, it, I feel like in Eric in this Derek Chauvin thing, it's like guarantee he wasn't the only bad apple. That whole culture, I mean, apples is doing the you know starting this whole thing from scratch because like the whole produce is fucked. They had to start over, man. Like <laughs> we'll see how this whole thing goes. You know? Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to look that far in the video of Derek Chauvin killing George Floyd, there's three cops just watching it happen. Tell me that those are bad apples, too. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fuck, like, they are all complicit. They are hands, they're, they're all soaked in blood. Like, yeah. to this day, dude, I have not, will not watch the video. I can't do it. I don't blame you. It's rough. I just, You've seen it enough yeah, times, like, probably. <laughs> exactly. Like, I watched, I watched Do the Right Thing. Listen, this, this is a fiction, this is a fictional movie, <laughs> but it's basically nonfiction. Yeah. Like, I watched like on TV, Rio Raheem choked to death by a police officer. That shit happens. Yeah, I mean, like, even though this is like a movie, basically, it's like as if it happened in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's just real shit, man. You know, and it's like you don't want to play that trauma over. You know, like I'm glad that there are people that amongst my friends are like, oh my god, I watched the video and they're completely fucked up by it. It's good, <laughs> like good. Yeah, like, you get it. Or more people understand, like this is not okay. It hasn't been okay. Yeah. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we've got direct yeah. video evidence of what this culture's consequences are. Like, what happens when we have a class of people who get to enforce uh, whatever rules they want using whatever force they want? <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. Absolutely right. And it's like, it's a class mostly like, you know, most mostly white straight white straight white males. Mm-hmm. Like I love I love it how like one thing that conservatives like are when they put out pictures of like black cops that are shot, you know, that have been killed by the police or that have been killed by protesters. I'm like, come on. Right. <laughs> sure. Like I know exactly what you're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> like that this is that you're you're detracting from the overall message here. You're you're full of shit. Still suck too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like the ACAB thing is more and more showing up in my you know you know showing up in my head more and more i'm like yeah yeah uh what i've been thinking about with with acab like it's it's a very confrontational statement all cops are bastards uh if you're a person who like you know you know a cop personally like that statement hits you like oh shit you're talking about someone i know but the thing to remember with that like Mm -hmm. the reason it's it's powerful like it's possible to no longer be a bastard if you stop being a cop (laughs) exactly that's the way I see it too. It's like I wholeheartedly agree more and more now. Just like I think about the folks that like ninety nine percent of the folks I feel like they go into law enforcement. It's like they they I feel like they have 
some sort of subjective idea of what this looks like until they actually get into the get into the force. Feel like that shit stash, but they still do it anyway. It's like if you feel like that conflicted about a job, I don't think I've met many cops or know many cops are like, yo. I love the fuck out of what I do or whatever. <laughs> I mean, unless they're fucking killing people. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. after you get out of it. You know what I mean? It's just like you question like the motives, even though they might be the most decent person in the world. I'm tired of the notion of like, Hey, well, they're mo- not all cops are bad, man. Like that shouldn't be a thing that you would have to say, like to be an apologist about like your profession is a profession that I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The more and more I think about it, it's just like, your your fucking uh, occupation's tainted, bro. <laughs> it's tainted. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's. I think more people are waking up to it. I think so too. And we we've been going for almost two hours, so I think it's time for you and I to wrap things up. Uh, thank you, Derosia, for talking to me Good. about this stuff for so long. I think it's, it's yeah, necessary to bring your perspective in on this topic. I think it'll be kind of cool. Should, we should do this again sometime. I hope this doesn't wrap up. Like, I hope that we're to see more change. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to get like people, more voices. But I like to, I like to do this again. I love talking about this stuff with the two of us. Yeah, it'll yeah, be we, nice to do this again. With we can we can totally do another one with like more of the crew involved. I just know that you have a lot to say, and <laughs> you like I could get a lot of uh, a lot of speaking time out of you. So one on one would work really well. <laughs> <laughs> like I talked my ear off. I talked your ear off. I'll tell you that much. No, that's exactly but no, like, what I wanted. I, so. I, <laughs> I really, I really appreciated. Like, actually, it was kind of a, it was kind of cathartic in a way. Good. I mean, being able to a lot of experience, a lot of thoughts and concerns I've had for a while, being able to share this with you and everybody has been, been nice. Good. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it really helps me to to talk to like get my thoughts uh, formulated. You know, <laughs> totally, dudes. <laughs> I'm. The, I feel like we're similar in that way too. Just uh, ourselves like the room to kind of like, just get it all out there and be able to make something happen with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So before we go, uh, do you have any, anything you would like to plug for our listeners to check out? Yes. Um, I'm actually part of Bowdoubt, which is, I was premier no doubt cover band. Oh yeah. They're going to be playing at Woolies September the 19th. Uh, Woolies is going to be in Des Moines. Mm-hmm sure exactly where it's going to be but it's on a saturday that saturday is september i'll be awesome i'm going to be playing trombone i'll be wearing some weird leisure suit so check it out yeah so i'm playing and i'll be playing in des moines a woolies with bow doubt all right sweet uh yeah for all you no doubt fans it'll be an approximation of no doubt I like I like that a lot. <laughs> Are you playing some stuff with like I you know with I hear I see like anytime soon or I've been totally holding off because you know the virus and stuff. So sure, we'll I understand. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you let me know, and I want to I want to check it out sometime. It'll be I want to I just miss live music anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So goddamn sad. Like we come to this, you know. But <laughs> here we are. Yep. Well. Everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you you got a lot out of what DeRosia had to say. Uh, I felt like he'd be the perfect guest to discuss this with me. So until next time, thanks for listening to Rock Hard Caucus. Have a good one. Let's go, girls. Come on. I'm going out tonight. I'm feeling all right. Go ahead.
I feel like a woman. <laughs>